There's an old philosophical paradox that asks, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Well, the point, of course, is that one hand can't clap by itself. It needs another hand to clap against. Well, here's another question. What is it like for a church to worship as individuals with all its members isolated all by themselves? We've been learning about that paradox lately, and we'll talk about it today on Groundwork. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Dave Bast. And Scott, we've said all along this is a four-part series where we're taking a little bit of a different approach. Normally on Groundwork, we dig into Scripture by going through a book or following some uh, theme or perhaps one of the uh, creeds of the church. In this series, we really want to address the things that are going on around us in our societies, in our cultures, in our nations. And they have to do with the pandemic, of course. That's what began it all, made this such a a topsy-turvy year. But then uh, later in the year, we've seen outbreaks of protest and civil unrest against racial injustice, centered primarily in the United States, of course. That's where it started because of the killing of George Floyd. That was the spark that set off the explosion. But these protests have spread throughout many countries in the world. Right. So we've been thinking in this series, we thought about lament in the first episode, Providence, where has God been through all of this? That was the second episode. This is our third episode where, as you said, Dave, uh, specifically now, this episode is going to be more about COVID-19 than the racial unrest because it's COVID-19 that has isolated us in our homes. Now, we're not sure uh, by the mid to late summer and early fall of 2020 where churches will be. There's been reopening. Some churches may be back to some semblance of normal worship. But the point is that for weeks and months, we did not have normal worship. We couldn't. We were not allowed to, and it would have been unwise and unchristian and and unneighborly to actually gather together because we could infect each other, including our most vulnerable members. So we stayed home. And churches live-streamed or Facebook-streamed or whatever it was, uh, Skyped and Zoomed uh, worship yeah. into, YouTube. into our own YouTube. YouTube yep. services, Vimeo services, yeah. Yep. So we have all reflected a little bit about things we take for granted, like the ability just to go to church, the ability to be together. And that has led to further reflection like, well, what is the church? Uh, We didn't stop being church because we couldn't be in a brick-and-mortar building, Uh, but what is the role of fellowship? Maybe it's way more important than we realized, right? So that's the—and what about the Lord's Supper? Uh, And we'll talk about that a little more in the second part of this program. Churches have struggled whether you can do that virtually, online, or or not. So those are the things we've been thinking about, and that's what we want to reflect on in this program because it's been on our minds. Uh, It certainly was prominent in our minds in the early months of 2020. Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, who knows when it'll end. So, yeah, I mean, one thing I've heard a lot uh, from different people is how thankful we can be that this has happened in the year 2020 when we have these incredible technologies and uh, that we can learn to be thankful for them. We'll, We'll talk a little bit about that later in the program, maybe expand on that a bit. But let's go back to basics first, though, and talk about the nature of the church as we see that described 
in the New Testament, specifically the early church in the book of Acts. Sometimes, indeed, when our patterns of church get disrupted, as they have been, we go back to basics. Uh, we go back to thinking about what is it that the church does? And we, you're right, Dave. If the pandemic had happened 20 years ago, it would have been much, much more difficult for churches to stream their services or for pastors to record, even using just an iPhone, uh, people have been able to do it. But we've been able to do it, and we're thankful for that. But it's not ideal. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that it's not ideal is what we read in, as you just said, the book of Acts. We read this in Acts 2, uh, right after Pentecost. They, the Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they're the every day they continued to meet together. Doesn't that sound good? Or wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't, didn't that sound good, particularly when we were totally locked down earlier in the year and we couldn't be together at all? Yeah, right. So clearly Luke describes four specific call them marks of the church. In one verse here, Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So teaching or doctrine is uh, one of the marks of the church, the first one uh, that he mentions. And wouldn't it have been great to have Peter there telling you stories about Jesus, uh, you know, a living gospel who was there and could relate all those things, or John talking about the love of Jesus. But we still have the apostles' teaching. Right. We call it the New Testament, so we can do that. And then fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer, three more marks. Yep. So koinonia is one of those Greek words that people who don't know any Greek know. Uh, it's just a word. It means fellowship. It was such an important word for the early church that that's how it has come into common parlance, even in other languages. Koinonia, fellowship, the being together. And when they are together, uh, they would worship together. They would sing together. Uh, they, would, they would support uh, one another. And certainly the breaking of bread, uh, the Lord's Supper, and then prayer that they were a praying people. And when they were together, now you can pray anywhere, right? Prayer is that one aspect of public worship that's the most portable, uh, right? We all pray individually, but there's something powerful about praying together. Again, we, we look at all of these things from Acts 2, and we realize that a couple of those key things were what we've been deprived of during the COVID-19 yeah, right. pandemic. Fellowship, being able to break bread together, singing together. They even say now singing is dangerous because we expel so much. So some churches are going to regather but not allow singing. What a, bum, what a bummer that is. <laughs> yeah, right? that's no good. But praying together too. Yeah, and you know, you can read the Bible by yourself. So you can do these things. You can experience maybe communion or fellowship with the Lord by yourself. You can have private times of worship, even outreach, because, you know, to those four marks in, in verse 42, we need to add the fact that the Lord added daily to their numbers. Right. So they, were, they weren't just inwardly focused. They were reaching out to their community. And what an attractive thing that must have been to see this incredible fellowship. But the real problem is how do you have communion with the body of Christ, with one another, when you're stuck by yourself or maybe just with your immediate family in your home? Yeah, we've tried. We've tried to do all these things virtually, 
Uh, even the fellow, our community group that we're part of, the small group at our church that we're part of, we've had Zoom meetings wow. on Sunday evenings. So it's a way to try to help get around the problems caused by quarantine, but not ideal. But specifically, I think we want to ask the question about the breaking of the bread, which refers undoubtedly to the Lord's Supper. Uh, how do we handle that in these days? And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Meet ReframeMedia.com, a web resource to help you in your Christian life. I want my children to be entertained, but also grow in their Christian faith. It's time for Kids Corner. Where can I get a daily spiritual shot in the arm? This is Today, a daily devotional to refresh, refocus, renew. And there's more. Think Christian, Church Juice, Family Fire, resources for every age to help you grow and build your faith. Explore and visit ReframeMedia.com today. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Dave Bast. And Scott, we've just been talking about uh, the marks of the church in the book of Acts, which really describe every church, and how we've tried to keep these up uh, in a season of quarantine, of pandemic. It's been difficult, but we can be thankful uh, for the use of technology that's available to us. It wasn't to earlier generations. But now, now let's talk specifically about the idea of the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist, as it's sometimes called in some traditions, or the Mass in uh, Roman Catholic uh, churches. And, of course, Roman Catholics have not been able to partake of the Mass because they haven't been able to gather with a priest. They need to have a priest right. uh, in order to do that. We have a slightly different take on it. Yeah, many Protestants and certainly uh, the Reformed tradition, uh, we don't think uh, the bread and the wine change into anything and need to be changed by an authorized priest. So that makes it a little bit different um, for those traditions. And of course, you know, Dave, when uh, the lockdown first began, we were nearing the end of the season of Lent. And so the lockdown happened over Palm Sunday and Monday Thursday, the night in which the Lord's Supper was instituted. And when many Churches gathered to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Good Friday, Easter, all the highest of high holy days uh, in the Christian year were done in quarantine um, this year in 2020. And that did introduce the question, can you, should you, may you, temporarily in extreme circumstances, in extremis, can we celebrate the Lord's Supper virtually? Can people gather bread and wine in their own home um, and sit together watching the, the pastors of a church, preside virtually over the Lord's Supper, and you take, eat, you take, drink, remember and believe in your homes simultaneously to when the pastors did it in the church sanctuary from which they were sending out the service on video. Can you do that? And it's been a lively debate. And probably among our listeners are some who have done this, some who could have but refused, some who wanted to but their church didn't allow it. So there's a, a great diversity out yeah. there. And churches have certainly approached it differently. Some have just said, no, we're going to hold off on that. And as you say, Scott, some have kind of had the pastor appear on camera and and sort of trigger that or suggest, and they put words on the screen uh, as you partake of this at home or or they've had a printed liturgy that you're supposed to read uh, to one another. I'll just say I don't like it, and I haven't participated myself just because of the 
desire. I, I'm willing to give this up for a season until we can do it properly together. I may change that if it goes on much longer, but that's my personal opinion. Yeah. And my family, my wife and son, we did partake uh, communion uh, on Monday Thursday at our church's Monday Thursday service. So we, we did do that. But I think what we can for sure say, Dave, is this is only temporary. Now, the church has long said that we could do communion sort of by remote. We would bring communion to homebound people in nursing homes. I did that. One of the first things I did when I became a pastor is an elder and I would go out to about three or four people who could not physically come to church because of disability right. and illness or age, and we would bring them the elements on the same day when the congregation did it. We've made these concessions, but all things being equal, and as we're reminded of in a very important passage from 1 Corinthians 11, we're, we are supposed to be together when we do this for good yeah, reason. Right. Well, let's just look at that passage because this is the basic place in the New Testament where the practice and uh, meaning of communion is explained insofar as it is. Of course, in the Gospels, we have the story of the Last Supper, as you said, Scott, where Jesus said, this is my body do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. But it's really Paul in 1 Corinthians who uh, repeats the words of institution and uh, who indicates that this was a normal part of Christian worship, yep. uh, not just a one-off on uh, in the upper room. But he does this because of the problems that were being experienced in the church of Corinth. A church that had a lot of problems, as you know, when you read 1 Corinthians, the letter of 1 Corinthians is Paul's reply to a letter we no longer have, but he got a long letter from the Corinthians saying, Paul, here's a list of our problems. And one of the problems was that when they would gather to celebrate the Lord's Supper, they would do it sort of at the end of the day because they didn't get Sundays off, right. right? But the rich people could knock off work a lot earlier than the working class poor people. And so they would have what they would call a love feast, kind of a potluck that included also the Lord's Supper. Problem was, the rich people were eating all the food and taking all the bread and wine, and the poor people would show up and there'd be crumbs. And Paul says, you know, the Lord's Supper is supposed to solidify the unity of the body. Yeah. You guys are doing the opposite. Stop it. Yeah, he actually then wrote these really serious, sobering words in 1 Corinthians 11, beginning of verse 27. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Whoa. That's a passage that has given a lot of reason to pause to a lot of Christians over the centuries when it comes to the Lord. You mean taking communion could be harmful to your health? Uh, you could be eating and drinking judgment on yourself? Right. And we, we want to make very, very clear, we're not reading this passage here to say that if you've done at-home communion that you ate and drank judgment unto yourself. We, we recognize that that was, uh, this is an extraordinary circumstance and it's temporary, uh, right? We're not going to keep celebrating the Lord's Supper this way. We shouldn't want to uh, because we should want to be together. Now, virtually we were together and hopefully uh, all of us who have done communion at home have done it during the worship service that was being streamed, that a church council or consistory or board authorized, uh, which is important in a lot of circles, and that the pastors were still presiding over in the moment. But I, I just mentioned that on Monday, Thursday, we, for the first time, my wife and son and I did partake of communion. But after I took the elements, Dave, I had some tears streaming down my cheeks because 
this isn't the way this is supposed to go. I'm supposed to be able to see my sisters and brothers. I'm thankful to partake of it. I believe the Holy Spirit was in this. But I want to be in loving fellowship with our congregation right. because that's what the Lord's Supper reminds us. Jesus died to make us all one body. Yeah. Jesus died so that we could have this fellowship with him and with one another. And that's really, in, in many ways, a, a key element of the Lord's Supper. And it's what we have most missed whether we've taken the Lord's Supper at home or refused to or didn't have the opportunity to, we've most missed that communal element. And that's actually the point Paul is making here as, exactly. as he unpacks the meaning of the supper. When he says, eat and drink in an unworthy manner or without discerning the body and blood of Christ, he doesn't mean that you have to have a proper theology of the sacraments right. before you can take communion. We've often used this verse, especially in the Reformed tradition, let's be honest, to turn communion into this rather frightening, even scary or somber experience, or you better really be careful and you better really have examined your heart and your life and uh, you better walk on eggshells up to that yeah. table. And that's not the intent. We've even said, well, let's not celebrate it too often because we might turn it into something. That's like saying, let's not eat every day because, this, no, this is meant to feed our faith. Right. It feeds us with Christ. Uh, we really do receive him by faith through the Spirit. But what he's saying there is got to be aware of the body around you, right. the body of the church. That's what it's all about. And you Corinthians, you're totally ignoring that. You're treating some members of the congregation as if they don't matter, yep. as if they don't count. So, yeah, this has got to be a community activity, and we long for the day when we can once again celebrate it together that way. And speaking of longing for the day, we're going to look at a passage that mentions that in just a moment. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork Conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Scott Jose, along with Dave Bast. You're listening to Groundwork, and this is the third program in a four-program series reflecting on COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, the unrest that the world has seen in the year 2020, a special series we're doing. And Dave, in this program, we're reflecting on what did we learn or what were we reminded of when we couldn't worship together. That's what we're thinking. And when we couldn't take the Lord's Supper together, many of us did partake of it online, but we just said that's at best uh, a stopgap measure. It's certainly nothing we want to be uh, doing permanently because we reflect on the fact that we do need each other. We are yeah. a fellowship as a church. A church is more than the brick and mortar building, as many people have said. We haven't stopped being the church but we've missed some really important parts of what it means to be the church. Right. And I think we've we've said we appreciate the new technology that has enabled us to do as much as we have. Perhaps here's another point. Uh, we can think of those Christians in places where that's all they have. Right. They, they can't gather together. I think of the church in Iran, uh, a church with which I'm somewhat familiar. And so we can remember them in our prayers. 
and we can look forward to the day when we can return. Uh, and maybe not everybody feels the need for that. I, I've heard some people say, you know, I kind of like this virtual worship. I can just show up in my pajamas. I can leave the room and drink a cup of coffee. I can skip through parts of the service I might not enjoy as much. But no, we need to be together and we need each other. And there's a great passage from Hebrews chapter 10 that stresses this point. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And Dave, I remember when I was a kid growing up, some of my relatives would use uh, this verse uh, as a, a reason to argue for going to church twice on Sunday. Yeah, right. You can't don't skip. Neglect. Don't you can't skip the evening service because right. church then, is meeting. Yep, don't give up meeting together. But whether or not it specifically applies to the vesper service or not, uh, it does apply generally to the idea that we're supposed to meet together to spur each other on, to encourage one another, to support one another, to have communion together, as we said in the previous segment, to sing together, pray together, being together in the koinonia that we thought about in the first uh, segment of this program is vital to who the church is. Notice uh, how the writer to the Hebrews puts it. We have this privilege of drawing near to God uh, because of what Jesus has done. His body has been torn like the veil in the temple. His blood has been shed like the sacrifices uh, of the Old Testament so that we can have access to the Father and we can come freely. And, and Hebrews stresses that over and over, come, you know, come, but come together. And it's not just that I need the others of my congregation, of my church to encourage me. It's that they need me. Encouraging one another, says the writer to the Hebrews. So you're important too. You shouldn't go it alone, not only for your own sake, but for the sake of others too. And all the more, the writer says, as you see the day approaching. So we're looking forward to that day when we can come back to church, right? All right. And again, uh, maybe by the time some listen to this, uh, we've been able to start doing that again uh, in some fashion. Uh, but indeed, it's just a reminder, uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic has, has reminded us of things that, as we've said before, we take for granted. And, you know, when this uh, the lockdown was first starting, Dave, at my seminary, at Calvin Seminary, it was the week of oral comprehensive exams for our students. And needless to say, this year, a lot of students got some COVID-19 related questions. And quite a few students from their various panelists got the question, when this is all done, and you're the pastor, what are you going to say to people who say what you said earlier? Hey, I kind of like this stay-at-home church thing. Don't have to scramble to get the kids ready for church. I can do be in my pajamas. I'm not coming back to church. What are you going to say to people? who actually are serious about that. And I do think it's a question some pastors are going to face, not from everybody, but, you know, are we willing, ready, and able as pastors, as church leaders, as sisters and brothers to make the argument of why it's important to come together? We can't let this virtual thing 
unless you're sick or for a season, you know, it might happen. But all things being equal, we we really do want this uh, to end so that we get back to the fellowship. Yeah, absolutely. We are embodied creatures and we need one another. Uh, You can't hug a screen, as they say. So as we see the day approaching when we can return to church, yes, but even more so the day, the day of the Lord, Hebrews says, uh, that's when all things will be made new. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Dave Bast. We hope you'll join us again next time as we discuss biblical themes of justice, themes that shape our Christian response to the injustices of COVID-19 and calls for public justice. We encourage you to connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com. Share what Groundwork means to you and tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Media, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Visit reframemedia.com for more information. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our content and managing producer is Courtney Jacobs.